Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Um, The note was right. The author of the note had it right. Water was there. Um, We have a God who is the author of this book right here. And the beauty is, and kids, you guys are about to go back to your space in a minute, but before you do, what I wanted you to hear is that we, we uh, the rest of us in here, we're going to be looking at faith, and we're going to open up this chapter that I just read, this first verse right here, and kind of work through that. But the significance for us that we're going to discuss is that God is the source of this note. And because of that, we can place our life in his hands. We can trust him completely. That our faith in him is secure because of who he is. Well, I don't know what you thought about the video. I know this. I, I didn't know they had cool cars like that with automatic push button back in the day. So that's pretty cool. But uh, what, I, what I do hope you remember is that uh, we all have a choice to make about who we wind up placing our faith in or what we choose to place our faith in. For that man... It cost him his life. He didn't place his faith in what was right. Well, we're going to sing one more song together. I'm going to invite you to stand up as we worship the king, the one who reigns forever, and the one who is worthy of our praise tonight. Most of you probably did not walk into um, an evangelical conservative Christian church service tonight expecting to have words from the pope as a major portion. Maybe you did. Uh, about a third of our church has come from the Catholic faith, so who knows what you expect. But um, I read those words and I thought, wow, that just ties in so well with where we are in our series as we kick this off. Um, that, one, that one quote uh, in that excerpt there, the light of faith is unique since it is capable of illuminating every aspect of human existence. <laughs> C.S. Lewis wrote these words, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Powerful word. Thought-provoking words from both Pope Francis and C.S. Lewis as we enter into this new series on faith, as we spend some time dissecting the 11th chapter of Hebrews together. And uh, in order for faith to truly illuminate our path, In order for it to really uh, become more clearly defined, uh, I think what we have to do is we we really have to first understand what biblical faith is not. Because I think when we understand what it is not, it begins to paint a picture of what it is. Uh, Kind of like that sign right there. I don't know if you came in and you you looked at it at at first, those of you who were here before the light was on it, uh, it it was basically what the words were not. It was the... It was the, the, the not letters, and then the light shined into it, and it became the letters as we saw it was faith. You know, I, I think that it's important for us to understand the not so that we can understand the whole. Uh, we, we all have faith. We exhibit it in a variety of different ways, right? I mean, we hop on a plane. 
uh, and we go from one place to the other. We have faith that the pilot, that the plane, that the transportation is going to get us there. We go under the knife uh, procedure. You know, what, what, is that, what is that saying? You know, uh, that there are no minor surgeries, you know, right? The only minor surgery is what's happening to other people. Uh, something like that. I mean, it's all, it's all major surgery, especially when it's happened to you. And, you know, you go under the knife and you expect that it's going to go okay. You have faith in the doctor that you've chosen or your medical plan or whatever, or the Affordable Care Act or whatever has, has gotten for you, right? And so you've got faith in that, or maybe you don't, I don't know. But or maybe you run or you're a, a cyclist. And so you're going throughout Argyle, you're going through Lantana, you're going through Flower Mound, Louisville, wherever, and you're doing your thing. And you know what? Those of us that are in that category, we place a lot of faith in other drivers, right? That the texting that they're doing while they're driving is not going to wind up having them on our sidewalk or in our path or right on our tail. We place faith in all types of things and people and circumstances. Um, Webster defines faith this way, something that is believed with strong conviction. Something that is believed with strong conviction. That's an interesting definition. Let's unpack that a little bit. Um, Okay, so I really, really, really believe it. But what if I really, really believe something with conviction, but that something is incorrect, or it's inerrant, or it's harmful to me? Pastor Ron was telling me, and I didn't ask his permission to share this story with you, so just please don't tell him that I'm saying this. Um, but he was telling me a while back that he tried this little diet um, that, 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 that I don't know whether he concocted or read about it somewhere or whatever, but it, he called it the cookie diet. And his idea was that he would only for dessert eat cookies, not any other type of dessert, just cookies. And um, oddly enough, he, he gained weight in that diet. And um, now he was, <laughs> he was doing that with great conviction. Uh, the net result was, I think, like three pounds or whatever. And then he decided that probably wasn't the best diet for him. But uh, that, you know, we could have great conviction about all types of things and they're still not going to work or they're wrong. I mean, did you know that there's still a flat earth society, right? I mean, there's people that still believe that it's all just made up that the earth is really round, right? It's all a conspiracy, okay? Uh, there are people who still be, or believe in pyramid power. There are people I was reading about this week that believe in rumpology. Uh, that basically is uh, the study of the uh, bumps on our rump and that that should tell us something about our individual future. Um, I'm not going to go any further into that because it just... <laughs> wow. Uh, there are people who really, really, really believe with conviction lots of things. Uh, someone might also say, well, I have faith in the reality that George Washington existed, right? Uh, It's this mental acknowledgement of a piece of information. And what I would say to you is that's great that that there there is this faith in facts and things that we know and things that have happened and historical compilation and all that. But catch this. You remember the book of James where it reminds us that even demons have mental acknowledgement of God. But are they practicing a biblical faith? Someone might they'll say, well, I have faith that one day my long-lost puppy who's been gone since 2009 is going to return. He is going to find his way back. That is wishful thinking. I'm not sure I would call it biblical faith. But, you know, we take that step away from the puppy and go all the way into a heaven mindset. And for many, maybe even people that you work with or that are in your neighborhood, here's where their faith lies. It is that kind of wishful thinking. Because they'll say, well, I I really do hope that heaven is there. It will really be nice if it works out. 
Someone might say, I have faith in her. I have faith in him. You know, Kenny Rogers, she believes in me. It's just that emotional, that emotional, uh, deep feeling. But is it, is, is it an example of a biblical faith? And what happens if the feeling isn't there? Can faith remain? The guy in the video with the pump, right? He felt like he should go ahead and drink the water in the bottle. <laughs> His feelings went with the thirst and the need that was right there that he felt like he was going to die if he didn't get that in that moment. His feeling was not with the note. It was not with whoever wrote that. Someone might say, oh, I have faith that tomorrow will be better. Right? I, I have faith that tomorrow, it's, it's, it's not Kenny Rogers, but it is Annie. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring to you. There is this sense of blind optimism that we can have sometimes. And that's what we may call faith. But then I see that kind of lived out in a variety of different ways. The question is, is it biblical faith? It gets trumpeted as biblical faith oftentimes, especially on TV, especially over the last 40 years or so. You know how it gets played out? It gets played out with people in pulpits that take the virtue of optimism and raise it as the ultimate goal. If we're just optimistic enough, if we're just happy, 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 if we just smile enough, then all will be good. That's what I call faith, right? But is that biblical faith? Does that leave room for faith to still exist in our really cruddy days? Someone might say, I have faith that this remote control is going to keep on working. It's rather convenient. I don't have to move. I don't have to get up off the couch. This is all good. I am here. I am staying now and forever. With what I know, with what I've seen, with what I'm comfortable with, there is a sense at which I have faith in what is just comfortable. But is that a faith that is a biblical faith? Just whenever it's comfort. Just when it's easy. Someone might say, I have faith that it will all work out in the end by itself. It's a bit of a fatalistic view, right? Is my faith best seen by a life lived acknowledging that there is little I can do to change anything? Is that a biblical faith? So let's allow God's word to illuminate us on this subject. Hebrews 11. If you're tracking if you've been tracking with us this summer, one of, at one point we had a, a huge anchor here on the stage, right about, about right here. And we were in the earlier chapters of Hebrews. And as we unpacked some of those chapters, what we uncovered was that this book was written to these Jewish Christians who were being persecuted for their faith. And this letter was reminding them. It was it was it was uh, it was challenging them to just stay with the faith, to stick with it, to not give up, to not revert back, to not go back to what they had known, that it really was worth it, that in light of all the current struggles, that in light of all of the immense persecution that they were under, that at the end of the day, the faith that they had placed in God would be enough. So we saw where the writer took great lengths to show them that Jesus is greater, that he's greater than the angels, that he's greater than Moses, that he's greater than Melchizedek, right? Right? 
That he's the ultimate high priest. That the old system is gone and the religious rules and regulations that went with it. And this new covenant has come in. And Jesus lives even now to intercede on our behalf and to make available to us this indestructible life that he gained through the resurrection. That we are now seen as righteous. That we can live a holy life anchored to Jesus Christ. Because of his death and burial and resurrection. Because of his death, burial and resurrection. Because of that. Because of his sacrifice. There has been a way that is made for us to have a relationship with the almighty God. And we unpacked all of that in the first part of Hebrews. As we were speaking on worship. And as we were talking about being anchored in our worship to Jesus And so now we come to chapter 11 with all of that as background. And it's as if the writer pauses for a moment and says, listen, this life that you have been offered, this life of righteousness, this life of holiness, this is how you live it. You live it by faith. As a matter of fact, the writer says, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you take a journey with me through this hall of faith? And we're going to look at person after person who followed hard after Yahweh in spite of the circumstances and situations that they faced. So although we do have a few defining statements about faith early on in this chapter, it really isn't a chapter that is a theological complete theological definition of faith. Instead, it is more of a description of what faith does and how it works. Let's jump in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God. Worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now let's take a few definitions here to help us in our comprehension of this passage. Starts off with now faith. We see faith show up immediately and it is this Greek word pistis. At times in scripture we may see it shown in the words of faith or belief or trust. And then we see, okay, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So we come to this word assurance. And this word assurance is hypostasis. It is this Greek word that means to place under. It's what you place under a structure. They would use this word when they're talking about the foundation that would be laid for a building. So I have this sense at which as I'm building this building, I can have this assurance that I'm not going to be crushed by my home because I have this hypostasis in the foundation. Continuing on. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Conviction. The Greek word, elinchos. I know it sounds more like maybe an appetizer you would get at the Blue Goose, you know. I like some elinchos with a little extra sour cream. But it really is, it really is this, 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 this word that has to do with being convinced, with proof, with evidence, in a court of law. Still, uh, the, it, the, the proof that would be presented. Another way to look at it, it would be, let, let, let's say that this, uh, this Grecian would show up in Athens and he would be purchasing this home for himself, right? And so he would show up and let's say that he was buying this house sight unseen, never seen it. 
All right. And so a man would walk up to him with the documents and go, well, here you go. If you just sign right here, the house is yours. Now, most of us would never buy property sight unseen, but let's just imagine that would be the case. Well, here's what happens. That paper right there would be the elenchos. In other words, it would be the assurance that there really is a house over there that he's about to be stepping into as his primary residence. And that's the word that is used here. It is the convincing. It is the proof. It is the evidence now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What is he saying there? The writer is saying, my faith is the foundation of that which I hope for. It is the evidence, the proof of what is to come. Continuing on, for by it, the men of old gained approval. Men of old. Greek word, pres. The elders, they were, they gained the approval of God. Well, so how did they gain the approval of God? By their faith. It was because of how they lived lives led by faith. And what's beautiful is he kind of, he kind of gives us a little peek there. He just says, okay, and by the way, these elders, they lived their lives and they were approved because of this element here, because of faith. And then As we're going to see in the coming weeks ahead, he starts to lay out how all of these men and women did this. How did they live these lives this way? We're going to take a look at some of them, how they lived these lives of faith. Uh, But the verse goes on. By faith, we understand the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Why is he writing that? What does that mean? What he's saying there is that this biblical faith not only has examples, but it also has a creator behind it. So we're going to look at the examples, but the writer says, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to share with you some men who walked by faith, but hear this. Here's where it, where it all starts, at least for us humans. What we understand is that this creator who we have accepted by faith started everything that we see out of nothing. There was darkness, and he said, let there be light. The writer of Hebrews takes us to the most critical aspect, I believe, of biblical faith, and it's because it's different than any other faith that we may experience or express. Because the subject of our faith is the ultimate in reliability. Our Heavenly Father, Creator God, who created it all, out of nothing. The fact is, faith may have been in our retirement strategy, right? And then the market happens. Or maybe our faith is in a spouse, and then they leave. Or maybe our faith is in our parents, and then they abandon us. Or maybe our faith is in our children, and they walk away. Maybe their faith is in a company, that then becomes dissolved. Maybe our faith is in living a really physically healthy life and doing all the things that you would want to do and that our world has told we should, uh, we should do so that we can be physically healthy and then cancer shows up anyway. There's no guarantee to the reliability of the subject of our faith unless the subject of our faith is God himself. 
That's the whole point of chapter 11. Warren Wiersbe writes these words. This faith operates quite simply. God speaks and we hear his word. We trust his word and act on it no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be. The circumstances may be impossible and the consequences frightening and unknown. But we obey God's word just the same and believe him to do what is right and what is best. The unsaved world does not understand true Bible faith because probably it sees so little faith in action in the church today. The world fails to realize that faith is only as good as its object, and the object of our faith is God. Faith is not some feeling that we manufacture. Catch this. It is our total response to what God has revealed in his word. So you put it all together. What's a biblical faith? It's, I put some phrases up here to kind of help us along. It's, it's being convinced. There's that word again. Convinced of the reality of the facts that God has revealed. And it is my response to those facts. I'm convinced. And you know how I'm going to show you I'm convinced? Because of my actions. Not only that, you see, in my obedience, I am also going to have this persistent hope in the promises of God. It's not going to stop. It's not going to end, regardless of my circumstances, which leads me to the third part there. Confident obedience in God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. So how do we get this faith? How do we increase this faith? How do we move beyond where we currently are? Because, I mean, we showed up in this room and we're thinking, okay, I'm I'm showing up to experience God and to, to meet with him and to... And to hopefully grow deeper in my relationship with him. Well, what is grow deeper in my relationship with him? I think part of it is my faith gets stronger. How does that happen? I think as we begin to wind down here, we can look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul writes this. So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes from the message about Christ. Through the message about Christ. How does faith come to us? It comes to us through Christ. It comes to us through the word of God, through exposure to the creator, the one who is, as Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we won't get to this verse, right? But we'll say it now. What does it say? It says that Jesus is what? He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And as we get to know God, we grow in faith because we gain a proper perspective of not only who he is, but also of who we are. Jesus in Luke 17 responds to the disciples' request. You know, at one point, he, you remember that the disciples said, Jesus, we teach us to pray? And then he just went off in, in praying, really. I mean, just giving them an amazing example that we kind of have lived by and, 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 and hold up there as, wow, you know, that's really significant that, that they asked that question and then he shared it and now we get to know what his thoughts are on prayer. You know what? Jesus also gave us thoughts about faith because at one point, the disciples not only asked him how to pray, they also asked him, could you increase our faith? You know, what he, you know what he did? It's crazy. He said, listen, there are some books down at Mardell that if you pick up, there is going to be fantastic. All, all you have to do Actually, what he did was he he began to talk about mustard seeds and mulberry trees. He did. And the reason why he did was to show them that the focus had to be on the object of their faith and not the size of it. What did he say? He said, just enough faith of a mustard seed. That's how we started the whole Saturday night service off. We gave everybody a mustard seed. Remember that? 
said, hey, this is where it begins. This is where it starts. And as he began to speak about the mustard seed and then about the tree that would throw itself into the sea as a result of the faith, of just that much faith, what was Jesus' point? What his point was, was he was reminding them that it's about knowing God. And when we know God, we grow in faith because we we become more convinced that he is a foundation worth building everything on. Then our faith begins to increase because we recognize the author of the letter is worth listening to. That the author of the letter, of the note, attached to the pump, is worth following. I think sometimes we wake up in the morning and we think, oh, I should have that time alone with you, God, and I, and I want to. But by our actions, you know what we do? We, we don't show him that we really believe that this is worth following. I think another part of it is just in our obedience, right? And God meets us in those steps. And so we read and we uncover more about ourselves and about him. And as we're searching the scriptures and we're finding these things, I'll hear God say, maybe not in an audible voice, but just in as I'm reading, I'm prompted to go start something or to stop something or to change something or to contact somebody. Because you see, I can't help but after I'm diving into this scripture that is from the creator who is worth reading because he is ultimate reliability, I can't help but him say things to me that are going to demand a response, our obedience. I think, I think our faith also grows not only as we dive in to knowing him and not only as we take one step at a time that we speak about often here on Saturday night, but it's also that we walk with those who are faithful. I don't know about you, but my faith has grown every single time I start hanging out a whole lot with those who are truly faithful. It's crazy. I mean, it just happens. Matter of fact, I would, I, would, I would suggest that just the opposite is also true. That the more and more time that I hang out with people who are not faithful, I will tend to be less faithful. Because what that does in my life as that witness, it is a, it is a witness to us that that is truth just by the fact that chapter 11 exists. Because what does he do? He says, here, let's examine faith. And now, why don't you do this with me? Let's walk with those that are faithful. And he begins to uncover life after life after life. Why? So that my faith is built as I discover patriarchs of the faith who through amazing odds and challenges said, I'm going to keep putting one step ahead of another, even though it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for me to pour all the water into the hole. It doesn't make sense, God. Let's look look at one of them. Just, Just one of them as we close. Hebrews chapter 11, verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained this testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, through though he is dead, he still speaks. 
So crazy enough, the first hero of the faith that is mentioned is probably not one we would have thought of. And we would have thought maybe he was going to mention Noah first, or maybe Moses, or maybe Abraham. I, who knows? No, he mentions Abel. We don't know. The details are unclear as to exactly why Abel's sacrifice was seen as greater. You can write, read commentary after commentary after commentary. There's, some, there's a lack of clarity as to exactly why. But here's what we do know. We do know that in 1 John and Matthew 22 and Jude 11, we find that it is shown that Abel's sacrifice pleased God and Cain's didn't. And what we start to get a picture of is that it seems as if it was due to the attitude of which the, the sacrifice was given. That Abel's worship was this unrestrained act This sacrifice that was this no holds barred, it was without reservation. I am convinced that our faith, my faith grows when my worship is unrestrained. That as I worship him daily, unreserved, and I just say to him, okay God, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to take me, whenever you want to start, I'm listening, and I'm ready. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? It's just a kickoff. It's just a kickoff in our series, just to whet our appetite a little bit on the subject of faith. Maybe what happened tonight was God just reminded you that he is worthy. That he's big enough. That he truly is reliable. That I can live a life of worship unrestrained. And that in that life, that is where my faith, that started as a spark, becomes a burning flame. And as Pope Francis so eloquently put it, that it becomes a light for those who desperately need it. God, we walk throughout life with people that struggle with faith, taking steps toward the unseen. (laughs) Sometimes God, if I mean, if you just showed up physically here, it's hard to even imagine what that would be like. But you're challenging us and asking us, you're calling us to this life that oftentimes is steps toward what we cannot see. God, thank you for reminding us that you are reliable, that you are a worthy foundation. God, may we take steps of faith in our life this week that move others, that move our family, that move our friends, that move our coworkers closer to you.